0: me and hold me tight All the night
2: you're shining bright i'm your oyster, baby you're my pearl. pow what a start to this week's episode as if the podcast has gone to the moon like richard branson Pow!
0: <laughs> i bet that's hurt a few people's ears they've just put on their Sorry. headphones and have said I'll settle down and listen to the gentle hum of the Friendship Onion. Let's
2: bring it right down. Let's put on our Radio 4 voices, because your voice is fantastic. Well, welcome to the Friendship Onion. Welcome to the Friendship Onion. It's me, Dominic Monan, and sitting to my left... ...is me, Billy Boyd. This week, we will be... I'm bringing it up, the energy. This week... We are featuring our wonderful new special best friend, I think. I think he probably is in our top five friends
0: now. Yeah. I've pushed a couple of people out for him. Same, same. I'm not telling you who
2: they are. I've pushed family members out. That's all right. Is it? Yeah. I just won't tell them who they are. They're distant cousins. Anyway, we were lucky enough to have Stephen Colbert come onto our podcast. And we spoke at length with him to such an extent that we've had to split it right down the middle. That must have hurt. And this is the second part of our wonderful interview with Stephen Colbert. He's a very interesting and wonderful human being. I don't think I've ever seen you be so beguiled by another man. I am a fanboy for Stephen Colbert.
0: Great. I don't mind that.
2: No, he's a lovely man and well worth listening to. Fingers crossed you will enjoy the second part of this interview, and we'll come back at the end to put a little ribbon on it and send it off into space, much like Richard Branson, who just went into space, and I am obsessed. <laughs> Here's the second part of Stephen Colbert.
0: So what what did you feel uh, as a, a fan of the books when you heard the movies were getting made? Like, had you watched the... Well, I had
1: been, um, you know, the first time I ever had that feeling was, I remember, I went to go see... Uh, a movie with my friend, Keith Sarge. And we're sitting in the movie theater and then some Elvish starts scrolling up on the screen. Right. And, and it was for Ralph Bakshi's right. uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings. And he and I both went, Oh my God. And no one else in the theater knew what was going on. We just saw the Elvish coming up and not like we could read it, right. but we went, well, this is Quenya. Like, what could this be? And it had to be the Lord of the Rings. And so, you know, I had that experience and, you know, like a lot of people, I was disappointed that it never went on. Like yeah. It just, it it just, it it wasn't successful enough or something, so it, it never continued. So, I had a slight burn feeling about people trying to adapt Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And some great elements when in the back. One,
2: mm. you know, the black ride. is the, There's some great elements in the back. She animated one. The black ride is. Oh, there are is. There is. There's some it. really great things in it, but
1: it again, but it never yeah. completed, and so it left you with an empty feeling. Yeah. And. So when I heard that Peter was uh, uh, adopting it, I mean, adapting it and adopting it, I I I I knew that he had done uh, Heavenly Creatures. Yeah, and I'm like, Heavenly. I I knew nothing about any of the sort of the comic horror, you know, aspects of him. I only knew Heavenly Creatures. I'm like, that how is that? I don't understand how that become how that guy. I don't. Where's the? And then I saw a photo of him next to a model of Helms Deep. Mm. I, I searched for him online back when you had to go to like alt web or whatever, right, right. alt dot, whatever, <laughs> like like there was, this was, was, was like 1997 internet. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. You know, and, and I found a picture of him, a kind of a grainy photo of him next to a little scale model of Helm's Deep. And it, and I, and I thought, oh, that's very interesting. Oh, that, that is interesting. A, that that's the first thing he's shooting.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And
1: B, that's a really good rendition of Helm's Deep. That looks right to me. Mm-hmm. And, and then I just crossed my fingers, mm. you know, I tried to keep up with like everybody else. Like I, I went on to the one ring and mm. yeah. looked for any rumors of anything coming. Yeah. And I actually, by hook or by crook, I was working for, it was a 2001, right? 2001 was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. By hook or by crook, I was working for the Daily Show. I managed to secure a, a, a pre-screener pass for that eighteen minutes, yeah, like whatever the, that thing the that cam you all showed thing. at, at yeah. Cannes, yeah. that wow. also got shown around, you know, at, for for industry people, I got a ticket to that. It was being shown, and I I saw that at the at the MGM screening room here right. on Avenue of the Americas, and I walked out and I and I thought, how do I explain to everyone that they got it? Oh, wow. How do I That's they, they got it, they got it, <clears throat> and what was amazing to me, and I'll say this about the whole movie. I've said this to Peter, is that what's amazing is that the books are so important to me, and I have all these images in my head of what everything looks like, and y'all didn't replace it. Mm. It's still there, right? Yeah, it is. It is complementary mm. to the reality in my mind. It didn't wipe it out. Yeah. That
0: I think you know? I think that's a, a really kind of um, astute and I think very important thing that Pete did mm. because when you first talked about. The first time you read Lord of the Rings, the first thing you talked about was the the illustrations by Tolkien. Yes, and I yeah. feel like Pete took all those years of people's imaginations, you know, uh, Alan Lee and John Howe, and and got yeah. them involved. So you sort right. of subconsciously are getting into people's minds and saying that looks right because you've seen it in the books and you've, you've, there's a history. It's not like Pete just went, I'm, I'm just gonna make up my version of, yeah. of uh, Middle Earth. He sort of almost kind of took everyone's version of it. And then he said, this is Pete Jackson's now. And so- And
1: John Howe and Alan Lee also took Tolkien's vision so seriously yes. that, and, and the way Tolkien pointed with his own art, mm that it is all, it's all a continue. It's like a continuous form of creation. Mm -hmm. Like their, their adaptation is based upon Tolkien's minutiae, the minutiae of his description is extraordinary. And especially in the plant life. And then, and then Peter took their, their, um, inspiration. Um, so seriously that it, it, it somehow looped around to being Tolkien again. Like it didn't like, I have I have I have in my mind exactly how Frodo flees to the ford being chased by the Nazgûl. Mm, I yes. have that mm. cuz it's a flat mile mm. from the woods uh, uh, from the little dingle y'all come out of down Oh god to- don't say it. Yeah, uh, down to the uh, Brindon. Yeah, the
2: Brandywine Bridge. Yeah. And
1: and yet in the movie, I think of the movie and I go, yes, but that's it too. Yeah. like they don't fight each other. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so much.
1: I don't, I don't know how. That's a real trick.
2: Yeah, so much. There's a little bit of magic in there, but also as Billy and and you were saying, Stephen, so much love in all of the technical elements of the film and from yeah. Pete all the way down. Like Pete, as I'm sure you know, because you've spent enough time with him now, Stephen loves those books and so does Fran and so does Philippa and the entire cast were consistently reading the books saying, oh, do do you realize this? Are you aware of that about Gandalf? Did you know this about Aragorn? I found out something today about Galadriel, which I'm I'm sure you know, Stephen, which is such a beautiful thing about the the light of Elendil and the fact that Elendil's in Middle-earth had caused wars to take place because it's such a valuable thing and that Galadriel's light of Elendil she actually created herself and came as a kind of compromise to her own health in some way, the thing that she gives to Frodo. And I was like, oh, that's such a deep uh-huh. dive into that, you yeah. know?
1: Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, that it came at a price to her. I, yeah. I, I, all I knew was that the light of Elendil is one of the Silmarils that's bound to his brow, mm. which is the evening or morning star, so it's Venus, mm. you know? And that that... The, the great thing about it is that that light in the in the unfinished tales, I think, I can't remember, the, maybe it's in the history of Middle Earth, or maybe it's in the letters, that she had in her hair the light of the Silmarils. Mm. Because she was born, she's she's Calaquente, she's an elf who lived in the light of the trees. And so, so the light of the trees is captured in the Silmarils, but it's also captured in her hair, and Fionor had asked her for a lock of her hair, and she said no. So he goes off and makes the Silmarils to capture the light of the two two trees. So when Gimli asks her for a lock of her hair, and she gives him three.
0: Wow.
1: That is the three Silmarils. And he is going to do what with them? He is going to preserve them in imperishable crystal. He's basically going to make the Silmarils himself because right. the light of those trees are in her hair. It's this great 12,000-year loop Amazing. in the story of Galadriel. Amazing.
0: So 12,000-year loop, yeah. the great year.
1: Yeah, the
2: great year, right?
0: Oh, you're, actually, you're going very deep here, Stephen. I'm loving this. I'm so, loving it.
1: What's the great? what's the great year? I the great
0: year is this idea that it's a sort of um, Hindu idea, and they have it in a lot of different um, beliefs that uh, the, the life isn't linear. It's actually in a circle, and it's a 12,000-year circle. So we go from dark ages to lighter to lighter to, you know, being um, enlightened. And then you slowly go back down the 12,000 years to the dark ages, and that has been going on. And it is a 12,000-year well, cycle. We'll Where are we you. on the loop right now? We're on our way up. Thank God. So that's good. We
1: are wow. just... We're just, I would not have put my money on that.
0: I think we're in the Yuga. I think it's called... But we are basically coming out of um, material and getting more sort of ethereal and ideas and thought rather than swords and cannons, hopefully.
2: All right. Love that. Uh, sure. Stephen, I was going to ask, because I'm sure you've thought about this uh, a few times. In a... Hypothetical interview with Professor Tolkien in which you're only able to ask him one question What is that question? And can you turn the AC down because it's like fucking Greenland in here? Thank I, you. Do, I don't think Stephen has the ability to turn down the AC. <laughs> and I don't Hold think on, you again. should. Hang on, he might. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you there should you swear at him like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's frigid in here. Um, I think it's um. lovely. Have you thought about that, uh, Stephen? Before you answer, I've, before asked,
1: I've been asked this question before. Ah, crikey. don't I have? But I can't. I, I have an answer that I I have an answer for this. I'm not not on in an interview. Oh, I've never been asked this in an interview. I've been asked this by audience members. Right. Um. I guess I want to ask. I'm very interested in. Oh my god, there are too many. Mm-hmm. But I guess I would ask about Glorfindel who is replaced by Arwen in the movie because Glorfindel is the one who comes and finds them, finds the hobbits in Aragorn in the wilderness and says, okay, here's my horse.
2: Yeah.
1: Go, yeah. go ride to the fort yeah. and, and, and stays with Aragorn. And he is a, 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 an elf Lord. It says at one point he's an elf Lord revealed in his, uh, fury because he's like radiates to Frodo sees him as like this blindingly white light. Because Frodo started to go over, into the the Wraith world. And he sees Glorfindel as just this brilliant white light. Because Glorfindel is such an old elf lord that like like, uh, Galadriel, he lives in both worlds at once. He lives beyond the veil of our perception at Mm. the same time. Mm. He sort of is in Valinor all the time still Mm. because he he has the light of the two trees in him as well. And he's this great elf lord. Now, in... uh, the Silmarillion. There's a Glorfindel, and that Glorfindel um, defeats a Balrog, and and dies just like Gandalf does. Mm. Uh-huh. And so does Ekthelion, uh Lord of the House of the Fountain, I think, in Gondolin. He fights a Balrog and dies. Mm. And they all fall, by the way. Like they literally, they die by falling. I think mm. all three of them, Gandalf as well. Mm-hmm. Don't fight a Balrog and not be prepared to, to f- cash right. in take a chips. big ball. That's, that's Exactly. Basically, to kill a Balrog, you've got to die, too, Right. is the lesson there. But Glorfindel kills a Balrog and dies in doing so in the Silmarillion. Is this the same Glorfindel? Is the Uh... Glorfindel in the book the same Glorfindel there? Uh, Because Tolkien has some notes about it, and it's indistinct. He kind of goes back and forth as to whether it is. Mm. Did he die and then get sent to the halls of Mandos in the west of Valinor, where basically elves kind of reconstitute almost like a purgatory state and kind of like, and then rejoin the other elves after a while. Mm. Um, And did he do that and then get on a boat and come back over to middle earth because there was some job for him to do? Mm. Is that the same guy? So that's the question that's on my mind. But what I would want to talk to him about was Gandalf's relationship to Nienna, who is one of the Valar who what she does is weep forever for the sorrows of the world. That's a drag. And she turns turns grief into wisdom. And Gandalf hung out with her. Like, Saruman hung out with Aule, the craftsman, which makes a lot of sense, because he's got a wheel of cogs. Gandalf hung out with Nienna, who grieves forever forever for the sorrow of the world and turns grief into wisdom. And I would want to talk to Tolkien about that. Right. What is that? Because there is no parallel in any mythos for that. There's like Vulcan is essentially you know, Aule, and Zeus is essentially uh, Manwe. Mm. And, like, there's there's parallels all over the place, yeah. you know. Uh, Poseidon is uh, Olmo. Mm. But there is no Niena anywhere in any mythos. Tolkien added mm. a goddess of grief, essentially.
0: Hey, Tom. Mm-hmm. What do you think about untucket
2: shirts? Well, I'm taking a trip in the next couple of days. I know that. I've packed all of my... Untucked shirts. Good. Not only do they fit amazingly, not only are they designed for you to wear untucked, of mm-hmm. course, but straight out of a suitcase, no creases, fantastic if you're traveling. And also, if you've got the performance
0: ones, they actually wick sweat. Yeah, so, so nice when you're actually traveling
2: as well. Yeah, you can feel fresh and kind of breezy. They also do short sleeve shirts, yes, polo shirts. They're perfect as we transition back to things we've been missing, like dinner with friends, reuniting with family, maybe a holiday or two.
0: Maybe a little party over at a barbecue, bit a little um, untuck it, short sleeve on. Beautiful, Dom.
2: Yeah, they look smart and casual at the same time, which yes. is an interesting thing that they've managed to do. Yeah, and they do look better untucked. I absolutely agree. They've also got sizes from small all the way up to
0: triple XL. And if uh, you're not sure what size you are, don't worry about it. Free returns and exchanges.
2: So use the code ONION for 20% off your first purchase at untuckit.com. Billy, when I finished a workout nowadays, to switch things up instead of having what I used to have, I have a lovely bowl of Magic Spoon cereal, and here's why. I'm going to throw some stats at you. Go on, Tom. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. And there's only 140 calories a serving. That's fantastic. And here's some other stuff. It's keto-friendly, it's gluten-free, it's grain-free, it's soy-free, and, of course, it's low-carb.
0: Now, you can build your own box or get a variety pack with available flavours. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry and cinnamon.
2: Mm, I like to take the cocoa and add it with the peanut butter. So now you've got a kind of cocoa, peanut butter type taste. Also, we recently got sent in the mail cookies and cream and maple syrup. Magic Spoon is bringing back those two popular flavours. When these flavours were first introduced for a limited time, they sold out extremely quickly. So now you can get them whenever you want. So why don't you go to
0: magicspoon.com forward slash onion to grab your delicious cereal and try it today. And to be sure to use our promo code onion at checkout to save
2: $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, the refund, your money, no questions asked. Remember, get
0: your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash onion and use the code onion to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode.
1: And that's who Gandalf hangs out with. Right. So he has no interest in power. Right. He's interested in wisdom. No, that's just interesting.
2: Like, just like Ian McKellen, who is now playing Hamlet on the uh, stages of I London. can't
1: wait. I, boy, I would love to see that. Yeah. I'm going to be
2: in Dublin in a month or so, and I'm hoping to fly over to London and maybe see Ian. Oh, shed, you must. head the boards as the Dane.
0: Yeah, you must. I'm so <laughs> interested to see what they're doing with that.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Because he's as you said, I saw his leer.
1: U- I saw his leer a few years back. So did you?
2: I did too. And he gets naked, doesn't he,
1: Stephen? Pretty much. I think he's got a loincloth. I don't think he's. Oh gosh, I don't he think was his naked. Pieces were out He there. was
2: uh, pretty much naked from uh, the waist down in New Zealand. And I made, I got Peter Jackson in absolute hysterics in the interval talking about uh, lovely Ian McKellen's also well everyone I think, was... he, I think i think he had like a, a bit of
1: like a bundle of leaves or something oh, in london i can't remember i, I think know. i would have remembered well, you oh would, you'd if, remember. a you would naked. remember let a me buck. tell
2: you it is noticeable It's like <laughs> an anaconda blowing in the breeze for god's sake and i think everyone was discussing the plea as i hear the story and what did you see as I you walked I said co- something about how about the cock on ian mckellen <laughs> and 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 Peter Jackson was bent over double laughing like a seven-year-old girl. It's one of my favorite moments. Brilliant. Um, so, so with, <laughs> with, um, with Rings that? being such a big deal for you, Stephen, and obviously that being the kind of peak, how have you scratched that itch over the years with other books? Like what is something that even tries to come close to that that you would recommend?
1: Well, Okay as much as I love the movies and I, and I love them, I could watch them incessantly. It's not the peak for me in terms of Lord of the Rings. The books still are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I, I still read them and I still find things that I didn't realize before. Mm. And I also, I listen, uh, fairly frequently to, uh, a very long, a guy named, um, Corey Olson, who, uh, uh, teaches, uh, medieval literature and, uh, he used to be at Washington College, and now he's got this thing called uh, Mythgard Institute. And uh, he's doing this page-by-page analysis of the Lord of the Rings. Wow. And every, every session, every podcast of it is a couple hours, usually. Yeah. Goodness. And, and I'm on episode 140, <sighs> and we're still in the Council of Elrond.
2: So that's page that's 140, as as, essentially.
1: Well, a little more than Prep that, plans. but we're, 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 we've just, like, I think episode, like, I think it took, like, over 110 episodes to get to Rivendell wow. or something like that. And now the Council of Elrond is really long. It's yeah. yeah. so information-dense, yeah. and it's got, you know, prophecy and poems and all that kind of stuff. So, again, we're not near done with the Council of Elrond. Yeah. And, and there's sometimes when the entire two hours might be on one poem. Wow. And like the origin, like the early drafts of it and how a Tolkien originally approached this and I love it. I absolutely love it. Wow. If okay. I if I'd gotten all the way to Fanghorn, I definitely would have gotten Durndingle because <laughs> because there would have been ten minutes on like the origin of Durn and Dingle yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like he never he doesn't leave anything to chance. Well, we It feels and as
0: if that's really stuck in your mind. It's there, a bit of a splinter even. in does your brain. It does. It <laughs> it's like just. Are the sun you Sunday. getting that? Is that
1: coming across at all? Oh, uh, what else? I mean, listen. I, I mean, I I, I love to I love to read. Um. I mean, other things that were that meaningful to me yeah. were the Larry Niven Known Space series. I'm writing this down, down
2: Stephen, because I don't know these.
1: Known Space. Larry uh, Niven. You, you might have, you might have uh, read any of the Ringworld series. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if uh, Billy, the Ringworld's his most famous thing. So him, uh, Foundation by Asimov, um, oh, a lot bro. of stuff by Keith Lawmer, I love Henry Kuttner. Um But these aren't on the same sort of high yeah. style and scale. Yeah. I really like um the Amber series by Roger oh, Solas. I love
2: the great book of Amber. I wanted to play yeah, random. The first five. Yeah. The
1: first you'd be a great random. Right? I
2: love random. You'd be a great
1: random. Yeah. Uh, do you play the drums?
2: I well I can play the drums and I'll, i would if they cast me as random I would get there, but because he, just... he
1: plays he plays jazz drums. Do you know that series, Bills? But no.
2: They all, oh, they're all it, able. To... It's
1: it's a very interesting confluence of sci fi and fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Ah nice. Zelazny so actually wrote Zelazny actually wrote a book called Jack of Shadows. I don't know if you ever read, read Jack of that Shadows. No but it's a, it's a it's a lesser known. And Zelazny so doesn't get the same props that a lot of the other writers get, yeah. because while they all wrote, wrote on pulp, literally on pulp paper, um, uh, he writes in a very, he wrote in a very pulp style. Yeah. You right. know, it's got very like kind of, you know, like I might say like, you know, instead of getting a haircut, he goes, I hit a clip joint. Like right, he, yeah, he writes yeah, in a yeah. kind of a street style. Yeah, incredibly readable. And, um, um, but he's very funny. And the first five books of Amber are great. 2nd second five. five. I'm sorry, I don't know what
2: to do. Yeah, yeah, but I've read the whole yeah. book. You know, the Great Book of Amber. Yeah. I read it all because I but had the, to finish the,
1: the the Chronicle of Corwin. Yeah, the, those first five books are amazing. Brilliant. And uh, I'm actually just rereading those now. And um, the world building is the world building is extraordinary because it's the idea is that there was chaos, and into chaos was introduced and. We knoweth not how, when we're reading the books, into chaos was introduced amber, mm-hmm. which is the only real place and the only permanent place. And you imagine chaos as a pond. Amber is thrown in like a piece of amber, like a stone, mm-hmm. in which everything is fixed and nothing ever changes. And there is a king who is always king, and there is the royal house, and the rules are such and such, you know, and that gets cast into chaos. And like a stone in a pond, it sends ripples out. And each one of those ripples is another world, a shadow of amber, a shadow that amber casts all the way to the courts of chaos. And if you're in the royal house, you can travel to all of those yeah. oh, worlds. Oh, that's
0: cool. it man. Yeah, I love, it. love that. But the
1: debate is, among the royal family is, and, I, and they don't know how to figure out which, which one that's what it is, is do they go to those places or do they just imagine them and they exist? Right, right, right. Because they know they're real, but because these things, they're not sure whether they're even real. They treat the people on these other worlds like garbage, we, essentially. Yeah, like right. if I were from Amber and I met you two, I would, I could kill either one of you and a it didn't matter because you're not real. Only I'm real. Cause I'm from Amber right. and you're not You're shadow. Right. And also, even if you were real, I'll never come back to this world again because there's an infinite number of yeah, yeah. them. And I'll just find one in which you're still alive. That's yeah, You know, whatever. Yeah. And it's this... And, but it also starts off in modern America, suburban New York, and it has a real science fiction quality to it. Yeah. But... And then it turns into this very high-style fantasy um, uh, and it's five books and, and they're great and decks
2: okay. uh, decks of cards are very important in that world whereby yes they're able, there's tarot the, the, the royal the, the royal family that we're following are able to call in their family by pulling oh, cards cool. out and then the character that yes. I said to Stephen random he's one of the brothers who you're never fully sure if he's good or bad but he kind of wants to be good he's hard to predict he's a bit of a trickster a bit of a jester yeah very cool character yeah
1: and, and your main character, Corwin, kind of realizes that he's not the hero of his own story. Right, right. But he, he's the hero. Yeah. But he constantly saying to himself, I'm not sure I am yeah, yeah. the hero of this story. That's brilliant. And, and it's about his, basically, discovery of his own humanity. Right. Is That's what the stories are about. How he comes to understand that the Olympian way they've lived their lives is not any way right. to be. right. It's great, it's great. So it's, yeah. there's a lot going on. There's
2: another book that I have to buy you. I'm buying you books. Yeah, I keep buying Ins- me books. I love well, that, Dom. Stephen, we know your time is precious. Should we eat the world? Billy and Dom eat the
1: world. Okay, so tell me what this is. I understand. I was excited to hear the request, but what is this thing you need to so, do? Billion Every
0: Dom week, Billy and Dom eat the world. And what we want to do is get food that has some sort of emotional um, resonance from people. So whether it was, you know, oh, I grew up with this food and you can only get it in Ethiopia and my grandmother used to make it and, you know, that kind of thing. Or even, a, you know, a soda pop that you like. There's a soda pop called um, Iron Brew from Scotland. And Mm -hmm. that is just a taste of my childhood. So we did that last week. On Ah. so basically something that has a little bit of um, uh, sort of emotional resonance or history. Are they
1: still? Are they still uh, warm? Oh, they're warm. Oh,
0: they're warm, Stephen.
2: They're warm. Okay. Now you tell us about this company. So you're about to try. This is your brother, right?
1: uh, My brother-in-law made these, but they're they're. These are boiled peanuts
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and there aren't a lot of places in the world that you get these. I grew up in the coast of South Carolina, an area called the low country that is, um, this is like a a very common snack. Mm. People don't make it as much as when I was a kid. Everybody had boiled peanuts when I was a kid. You can still get them um, and they're very simple. They're green peanuts. They're not cooked when you boil them. They're not like roasted peanuts. Uh-huh. They're green right out of the ground. You know, they're just clean. And then you boil them in as salty a water as you can make, like ocean salty. Okay. Right, right, right. And you boil them from hell to breakfast. <laughs> and then you pop them open and there is nothing better on a boat with a beer oh, yeah. than a boiled peanut. Should we get on boat? You're going to want a, yeah. something very drinkable. Yeah. Well, we have so water,
2: unfortunately. Well, so we, we rate these out. Of, we do three, uh, what do you call them? Three. three, three, th- three, th- three what? John? Sorry, I've lost my mind. I think
0: three categories.
2: Categories yes. was the word I was looking for. Flavour. Aesthetics. And then this last one was Billy's, which was a little bit strange. Usefulness.
0: I think a food should be useful. So we have usefulness.
2: So shall we
0: okay. taste it? Shall we
2: taste you it, don't have any You don't have any, Stephen, but I guess we do. Yeah, let's I say. don't. I sent all of them to you.
0: Imagine you. you're on a boat with a beer in South Carolina.
2: With a salty sea duck. All right. Are you
0: ready?
1: Oh, they yeah, are salty. Oh, they're oh. Salty, all right. Oh, it's a soft
2: nut, Stephen. It's a so- I was expecting a crunchy nut. No, it's soft.
1: No, it's been boiled. Mm. That's when you realize, oh, peanuts are a legume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're not a nut. They're
2: not a nut.
0: I no. didn't know that till today, Stephen. Yeah, peanuts
1: aren't a nut. They're a, they're a legume. Is I that w- would, like would a say, pea?
2: Yeah, like a pea. Yeah, like, like a pea. Exactly. My uh, so my father's all-time favorite food. ...is nuts. So, hi, Dad. We're eating nuts on the show. Go on, Steve. Ah. Billy, it's hot in LA, isn't it? Yes, yeah, really hot, Don. Hot in the day and night. And I think in the day, you can kind of handle it, because maybe you go jump <sighs> in the pool or jump in the ocean. But at night, for me personally, I need a cool room and a cool bed, and I think we found the solution. If you want the solution
0: and how to get deep sleep, the good sleep that gets mm. you set for the next day... Chilly Sleep makes customizable climate controlled sleep solutions
2: that help you improve your entire well-being. Mhm, Chilly Sleep makes the Ula and Cube sleep systems, hydro-powered temperature controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature.
0: These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep. Whether you sleep hot or cold, these sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy
2: to power through your day. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. Chilly sleep can make that happen. And I have to say, yep, in the summer months especially, <sighs> it, my bed, no, no matter what I do, <sighs> with the blankets and the pillows and the covers, you, you don't want to be lying there being hot. But with that nice cooling system, your it chilly sleep on oh, my back. It just helps nice you. Just, cool. Exactly. Right
0: down my spine. Oh. And you don't get that waking up at 2 a.m. and you're like, oh, I'm
2: sweating. It's just lovely
0: and it just keeps you in that nice,
2: nice, cool, deep sleep. Head over to chillysleep.com slash onion to learn more and save 20% off the purchase of any new sleep system. This offer is available exclusively
0: for the Friendship Onion listeners and only for a limited time.
2: That's chilli, C-H-I-L-I, sleep.com slash onion to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. Dom. Hello. Have you heard of Miro? Well, not only have I heard of Miro, but when you and I are sat around trying to work out what we might be thinking about for the Friendship Onion podcast... We sometimes use Miro online, don't we? It's like a whiteboard,
0: isn't it? A collaborative whiteboard online platform created to help people
2: visualise, discuss, and share the work. Yeah, just like the whiteboard that hangs in your office, consider Miro a blank slate where you and your team or friends can all work, play, or do something in between.
0: Exactly. You can write on it, draw on it, The thing I like, you can use videos. Send little videos to let people know what you're thinking. Mm. Sticky notes, diagrams, audio. Hey, Dom, what do you think of this idea? I might say. Yeah.
2: You can conceptualise your vision with it. Very often you and I will write the friendship onion in the middle and then we'll have little things saying, oh, we could talk about fruit, we could talk about this, why don't we talk about Sean Astin, let's talk about these things. It's very, (laughs) very useful if you're brainstorming stuff. I find it fantastic.
0: Miro is creating a revolution in how we create and collaborate. So join over 20 million users today. You can sign up and use Miro today for free. Go to Miro, that's M-I-R-O dot com slash onion to start your free account. Sign up today
2: and take advantage of
0: three free
2: whiteboards with this exclusive offer.
0: Go to Miro, M-I-R-O dot com slash onion and start using Miro today. There's no reason to delay.
1: So what's your first impression of the, of the, first of all, the mouthfeel, the texture?
0: Very important in a food. consistency. The first thing that hits me, Stephen... Yeah. Is salt. Yeah. I think John's done well with the yeah, well salt. well done, John. Because there's a lot of salt yeah. on this, and I think that really helps. Massive fan of salt as well, too. I love him. Um, the mouthfeel is um, a surprise. I'm used to a hard peanut, Stephen. Of course you are. And that's, yeah. that's quite soft and weird.
1: Yeah. And, um, it freaks some people out to have a peanut. Because it's still got a little bit of a peanut taste to it. Mm-hmm. It's got you got you got that little backbeat of peanut. Of backbeat, yeah. But you also have a lot of other like like um, there's a loamy quality to it. Mm. You know, like a almost like a cooked beet or something. Yeah, like that. yeah.
0: There's a there's a
2: stench to them, Stephen.
1: Yeah, it's unusual for You're a welcome. peanut. You're welcome. Like you had said, Stephen, I can
2: imagine this with a cold beer to offset the salt. Yes. Oh, I'd love that. And, 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 and on the
1: boat, just throwing the shells into the water is the thing oh, to really. do.
2: Now, now you said your bro, this is your brother-in-law's company. Was this something that your brother-in-law was doing? It's not a company.
1: It's not a company. He just, oh, he just does, does it. it every in the summertime. He just boils up big batches of it and gives it away. And this was the batch he gave me. And I and I he gave it to me. And I didn't have. He gave me a giant, like five gallons of it. And I ate a bunch of it. And I froze it. And so when I heard you guys wanted me to send you some, uh, uh I just he. Packed it and shipped it out and sent it to you guys. Yeah, so our
2: producer John was astounded about how many uh, nuts showed up, but we will be giving them a good home. So
0: they are. So you pre-boil them.
1: You well, they're 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 you know they're they're green out of the ground, uh-huh. and then you boil them in the shell uh-huh. for for a long time. Like you taste them as you go along, and they should they should start getting soft, but still be having integrity, if you know what I mean.
2: Oh, it's exactly, John's like they, name. They don't want to be mush. No, no you know, John's
1: they still have integrity. Little structural integrity, and um, there I think those are Virginia Reds. Mm-hmm. Those are the those peanuts are Virginia Reds, and he doesn't like them. He likes the Texas Whites, I think. Snob. <laughs> yeah, different different types of peanuts. Yeah. You know, produce a different nut, larger nut, or yeah. have a thinner skin, they're like that, that little skin that goes around Ooh, the nut. Yeah. Some some of the white the white skin's better than the red skin because the red skin, which is what those are, mm. I think, no, be I, better it. Sure.
0: the skin is not bothering me at all I love here, Stephen. I think sometimes uh, on a peanut, that does annoy me, I'll that little it. red. Yeah. But these it's boiled, these boiled ones. It. This is the first time There's, in the
2: history of the show that both our producer and our sound engineer are also enjoying the food with us. So it's a hit.
1: I used to make these myself. I would, I would. I uh, I lived in Chicago for years, and, and I, I, I missed them. So when I would go home, I would just buy – I'd go to a farm stand, and I would just buy green peanuts mm. in, in the shell. And take them, I'd boil them back. And my friends in Chicago did not care for them.
2: That's a shame. My
1: friend Jackie, as my Jackie Hoffman, my friend Jackie Hoffman once said, Jackie. "Oh great, here comes Colbert with more of his damp food." <laughs> that. Because that's that's what those are. They're damp. Yeah, they're damp. Mm. You're yeah. eating. They're damp. There's a sort of, They're not moist. They're damp.
0: It's like I could imagine myself. I have no idea what South Carolina's like, Stephen, but imagine yeah. myself in a very sort of wet heat on a
2: boat. Yes, yeah, humid.
0: Because yes. they're a, they're almost a humid food.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. they're a humid food. <laughs> you are one. We like we like to say it's like eating the ocean. Yeah, that's.
0: I'm 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 a big fan already. I'm going to give it scores, though. Oh, God, it's good scores, flavor, flavor. I, this has improved the peanut for me. Wow, I, this is my favorite way I've ever had a peanut. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm going to give that a nine point two out of 10
2: just so you know, Stephen. That's um, high. That's high. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 9.
0: Mm. Fantastic.
2: Mm. Um aesthetics. Aesthetics. I mean it's a nut, isn't it? It just I mean, looks like a
0: nut but that is is it? a, a maybe, maybe it has had all the kind of attractiveness of it boiled out. Oh, the boiled matter. out anything that looked <coughs> nice.
1: It's not pretty. It's
2: not pretty. 5 for me. It's a 2.7. Oh, William, you're quite harsh. It's not a good-looking nut. And then usefulness. I love the thing that Stephen said. On a boat with mm-hmm. a beer, maybe you've been out fishing. You're coming back, mm-hmm. so you're taking the edge off the day. Um, apart from that, Stephen, like, do people take these into the cinema or anything like that? No, okay. No one takes them so into the does cinema. Does anyone you, uh, a boating thing? It,
1: they're ge- generally speaking, you make your own because there are very few pl- pl- places to get them anymore. Mm-hmm. Like there used to be like peanut stands. There'd be a guy in a in a, like a parking lot peanut. with a big pot. Right. You know, exactly. And you go over there and get them, but it's hard to find those guys now. Shit. But so people basically make their own now and you just you have them for your own for the pool or for the boat or for the beach or for a party or something. People have them.
0: The you basically
1: it's only for people who are like from South Carolina right. or the or some some of the coast of Georgia. Right. Or dig this. Thailand. Oh
0: wow. Really? They'll boil their peanuts. I was
1: I was I was in a Thai restaurant once. Wow. With a bag of my boiled peanuts because I was going to deliver to some friends. And I was with a friend who was trash-talking my boiled peanuts at the same time. And and she said to the waitress, she goes, look at the garbage he tries to push off on us. She goes, oh, are those boiled peanuts? And she goes, we eat those all over Thailand. Wow. So, so I did not know that because they use peanut in the food a lot over there. Mm-hmm. But, so you can find them in Thailand too. So no one use- – no one in one. South
0: South Carolina, like, you're not going to boil them and then, say, bake a cake with them or no, something, no, are you? No, I don't
1: think so. No, but I'll tell you what I've been curious to do. Uh-huh. I've wanted to boil them and make a hummus out of them. Oh, wow, Stephen. Yeah, Mix them with a little tahini, a little garlic, olive oil, a little lemon. I bet they'd make a very interesting – because they're like a chickpea. Yeah, so I, think so I bet they'd make a very interesting hummus. I think
0: that's very wise, because I was just about to say – I would spread that on some toast or yeah. something. Yeah. I would just yeah. spread these nuts they, down.
1: They got a real chickpea, and then you could, of course, you could make a, like a fritter. Like you could make the same way that you make falafel. You could make kind of like a fritter with it. Might be interesting.
0: The only too. thing I'm worried about this, Stephen, is you saying you could. So you're not saying that people do. Mm. Oh no! So over, no, no, so over four hundred years. Since people no. have been boiling these, no one's made a fritter. You're just saying that nothing you could. I know of,
1: nor do I have I ever seen anybody take them out of the shell and put them in anything like a salad or <laughs> nothing. Bright, you eat though. them out of the shell and you throw the shell. They're they're kind of like they're garbage food. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like people are they're, in they're,
0: boats down in South Carolina saying, you know, you could make this into a fritter, <laughs> you could make this into a curry, mm-hmm. but no one ever has. No.
1: But the nice thing is that they last a long time because they've been pickled, right. essentially preserved in the salt. Because they're they're boiled in brine, and so they last forever. If you, especially if you refrigerate them, they last forever. And with that in they, mind, if you, go on if you don't, if you don't refrigerate them, they don't go bad but they get a little slimy. Right.
2: They, don't, they don't go good. They don't go good. Like that this, that's right. They
1: yeah, don't go good. Like
0: the shrimp you butters yeah, the yeah. other day. Yeah. What I was
2: going to say with the brine is every so often you'll open up a nut that has an extra amount of brine swimming in it and that's a real treat. Have you done that yet? So you've got, it's, a, it's swimming in its liquid a little bit more than the other one and you get a little Kick but of the juice, that's fantastic.
0: For usefulness, just yeah, purely usefulness. because Stephen has said that you could make a fritter, you could, and no one in 500 years has, I'm going to have to give
2: it a 1.7 for usefulness. No, I'm not entirely useful. I'll give it a 1.7 too. Well, it's a hit, Stephen.
1: <laughs> it's a great source of salt,
2: though. Yeah. Oh, my. And nut. Which is an, <laughs> an extreme. And it's not a pe- nut. No, it's a legume, William. It's, Come a, on. it's a legume. It's
0: a pea. It's well, absolutely yeah. delicious.
1: I'm going to finish I'm this. I'm so one. glad. Well, listen, I, I like to spread the gospel of the boiled peanut. Thank I, you. I, Thank you. You've, actually,
0: you've, you've won me over. I think they're fantastic. They're, uh, I love that.
2: All right. Well, Stephen, yeah. like we said, we know your time is precious. You might need to go. We know that we. the only, the only other thing that we ask uh, guests if, they, if they're into it is to uh, provide a piece of music to find out if something if it is funky or not and i think you have provided a piece of i music. did
1: i i i named one i don't know if i provided it but i named one okay. i think
0: they might have it here then this is
1: if you want me to stay yeah. by sly and the family stone oh,
2: ooh. a classic let's have a listen to this then if you want me to stay i'll be around today day to- for you to see okay John we got it
0: I was enjoying that dog it's
2: amazing but I'm just aware of Stephen's time
0: oh come on you're acting like he's a busy man
1: (laughs) now here's the thing I could not hear the song you could hear the song oh but it was very it was very enjoyable to watch you guys get your funk on but with no sound could you see every moment uh, I could see everything that you were doing and it looked like you were having an episode of something.
2: Wow, I, love, I mean, that's that's one of the classic funk songs. What I love about that song so much is before they start singing, the funk is so hard that Sly's going, <laughs> can barely hang <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. And that bass
0: line is oh. wonderful. You're a big uh, music fan, right, Stephen? I enjoy, I enjoy
1: the music. I enjoy
0: the organised sound isn't it good it's like how we decorate time someone said I love that art is how we decorate space and music is how we decorate time I love that
1: oh that's fantastic I want to drop that on somebody who said that it was me no
2: William don't take credit for that was
1: it oh shit um we what i like about that song also not only does it well, does it does it is it funky did you guys lose well, your judgment
2: we rate our funk based on brahms being the lowest level of funk and prince being the highest level of funk i'm actually going to oh. give that a funk rating of sly and the family stone well, that's how funky it, it is. it's
0: so bang on yeah i'm going to say wow. it's it's prince pre-1999 that's heavy funk Yeah that's some heavy funk Right there
1: <laughs> You've nailed wow. it
0: Stephen It's wow. very funky
1: I like the line If you want me to stay I'll be around today To be available For you to see right. I like lo- I like the professional Nature with which He is approaching This relationship Yeah with yeah this woman. It's very good Look I've got time for you If you'd like to see me But it's only today, today. Yeah Cause then I'm about to go And then you'll know Stay here I've got to be me Look mm-hmm. uh, It'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. <laughs> Count the days I'm gone. Forget it reaching me by phone. Cuz I promise, I'll be gone for a while. <laughs> like he's laying it out. Oh, yeah. He's this is- he's he's putting his cards on the table. I think it's a great way to approach a relationship. At a certain Very point, honest. you got go to go you got to say, "Hey, let's look pros, cons. Let's 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 talk about this like adults." You yeah. could
0: actually have used those lyrics for us today. <laughs> <laughs> like you you're around today that's it that's it and then you're gone i love that
2: well steven we know how valuable you talk you want him to stay don't you yeah i really like way. talking to steven we both do um, we've loved your time i've enjoyed this immensely how,
0: how was the casting for um the spy of uh, lake town was it a difficult casting experience uh this
1: is a good one to end on I, uh, I was at a wedding. I was officiating a wedding up in the Catskills mm-hmm. here in New York. And one of the guests at the wedding came up to me and handed me a tube. And I popped open the tube and I unrolled it. And it was a note uh, from Peter Jackson. Right. Uh, and it had the, from The Hobbit, you know, shooting The Hobbit, it had, um, uh, you know, smog on the top, the, the Tolkien drawing of small yeah. on the top and a little note saying, hi, we, uh, we've like, you know, uh, we really enjoy your show and we, hear you're a big fan of, uh, of Tolkien and enjoyed the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, if you're ever uh, down here, uh, bring the family and we'll, we'll pop you into a scene. Mm-hmm. And, and I could forget the wedding. This was the sacred moment right there. <laughs> the, and, and so he included his uh, email, and which I won't say.
0: <laughs> and
1: um, and uh, I wrote him, and I said, "Wow, sh- sure, um, I actually have two weeks off in August, which was like in two months." Right? And he goes, "Oh, perfect, we're shooting Lake Town. Uh, come on down." So we went down there, and we spent a we spent me and my boys uh, spent a week on the North Island. Uh, up uh, near uh, Rotorua, yeah,
0: beautiful. and
1: uh, we we fished for a week. We stayed in a lo- lovely little place called Treetops, mm. and we fished and did a little hunting, and then um, and then went down for the second week. Me and the boys and my wife shot that little Lake Town spy thing, and then it was so they were they couldn't have been nicer. They're lovely, so um, We we hung out, we hung around set, like just hung out. They showed us everything. Peter got up like early on a Saturday morning and took us to the. Um, storage buildings where he's got all the old sets yeah. and props yeah. and and my boys didn't even know yet what this meant to be in there and I was levitating they had to they had to pinion me down to the floor so I wouldn't get caught in one of the ceiling fans when I floated up <laughs> love and um, I, oh I can't even begin so anyway was it difficult no it couldn't have been easier and it couldn't have been lovelier and I fell in love with New Zealand and you know and I've I've been back and I can't wait to go back again. And, and it couldn't have been it, it, it's a more right. experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah. that's what's lovely about what Pete's done there and just that feeling of it just being real and, and welcoming, the same way as your show has, actually. It, it's a lovely place oh, to come to. Yeah, when am so glad. Yeah, yeah. When, it, when you were talking about your day there, it really does, it, everyone is involved like that. It's Ooh. a beautiful
2: place to come yeah. to. So
0: thank you for that,
2: Stephen. Yeah, so much fun chatting to you, Stephen. And at some point, hopefully we'll um, we'll get a chance to see you sometime soon in person, again.
1: I hope so too.
2: Thank you for all the nuts. Thanks, Stephen. Take, <laughs> <laughs> Take care of
0: yourself. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Right. Well, that was fantastic, wasn't it, Dom? Charming. I could listen to that all day. Is it charming, man? Did you write down some of those book recommendations? Do you know what I did? I haven't written them down but I'm going to rewind it with a piece of paper in front of me. And I tell you
2: what, this time next week, I'll be reading one of those books. Do you know what I thought you were going to say then? What? This time next week, I will have bought you one of those books and I'll give you one, much like I've been recently just throwing books your way.
0: Oh, wait a minute. Hang on a All second. these things you've been buying me is just to get something back?
2: Yeah. That's, uh, that's Machiavellian, that. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I want a book from you. Yeah. So instead of saying, hey, Billy, buy me a book, I've been just buying, buying you books. Yeah. Hoping that at some point yeah. between you and your wife, you go, should we buy Dom a Dama book? And up to now, no success. I bought you marmite. Not got it yet.
0: You never picked it up when you came down with your shrimps.
2: Oh, that's right. You should have. I will next time. Well, listen, you guys, we hope you really enjoyed that interview that we had with Stephen Colbert. We very much did. And uh, we will be back next week for some more
0: tomfoolery. I love this, Friendship Onion. You get to speak to interesting people. It's great, isn't it? It's lovely. All right, you guys. See ya. Remember. I forgot to say. You forgot to remember to say. Don't
2: forget to rate, review, and subscribe. To the Friendship Onion, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Spotify or, or Apple podcast stuff. And, as Billy said, If you review us, Billy and I read the reviews, our favourite ones we sometimes put on our social media channels and sometimes we feature them on the show. And you can also leave us a voice message, speakpipe.com forward slash The Friendship Onion.
0: Yeah, so if you leave a review, don't forget to take a screenshot, tag us in it and stick it up there.
2: And we will see you guys next week.
0: Toodles. Bye-bye.